Hello, what is up? And welcome to Off the Books, where we're surfing the uncharted waters of accounting, of finance, and wherever else those waves take us. This episode is brought to you by Workiva, the risk reporting and compliance platform that makes sense of all the tangled data problems your team deals with. Check it out at workiva.com slash podcast. I'm Drew Dubner, and I am your host. I am not an accountant, but I like asking questions of people who are, so finance professionals can do their jobs better. And today, we've got two cool guests on the show. We've got Eric Elfrink, and we've got Steve Soder. Hiya, Steve. Would you tell the fine folks at home who you are? Uh, yes, sir, Drew. Very happy to be here. Steve Soder, accounting enthusiast and Coca-Cola light aficionado, and I'm looking forward to debiting some amalgamations today. Wait, 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 wait. That's different. Uh, well, at first, I would say that amalgamations is just a synonym for mergers. I got that on Google roughly 15 seconds ago. <laughs> and I am at a uh, undisclosed location in a remote off-the-book studios where they do not sell Diet Coke. So here I am drinking Coca-Cola Light, which is every bit as refreshing and wonderful. Dios mio. <laughs> and we've also got Eric Elfrink. Drew, great to be here. Eric Elfrink. International Globetrotter, currently living in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, working for KPMG in their merger and acquisitions group. So doing all things M&A related, if you will, and uh, trying to help answer some accounting and finance questions today. Hot damn. Let's do it. And speaking of M&A related questions, we've got another letter in the OTB mailbox. This one is a listener email from Pauline Hasselblad from Anchorage, Alaska. And she writes, the company I work for was just acquired by a private equity firm. What does this process look like? How do these things come to be? What can I expect? Should I be panicked? It seems like a pretty tricky question. It is pretty tricky, Drew. I think we need to phone a friend on this one. Uh, coincidentally, we've got Eric. Hello, my name is Eric <laughs> Elfrig, and I know everything about M&A. Uh, not everything, but I have done a few transactions in my deal, and I can assure Pauline that she doesn't have to, you know, freak out just yet. Private equity firms are a cornerstone to the economy, and they're very helpful for the liquidity in our markets, especially for private businesses. But there is an interesting aspect of her question that she was looking at, and that's, you know, how did this whole process come to be? And I think that can be a really interesting starting point because not a lot of people get to see behind the curtains of these M&A deals that sometimes make the front page of the Wall Street Journal. So starting with that, if we just Take it back for a step. There are a lot of advisors involved in any sort of M&A type transaction. I currently work for Deal Advisory. We usually do a lot of the finance accounting type consulting work, but you're going to have your tax advisors, your, of course, legal advisors. They're probably the linchpins in the entire thing. Your investment bankers, maybe commercial, HR, IT, of course, can be a huge driver in M&A. And what we do from the Deal Advisory side, we have a number of different groups under our umbrella. So strategy, I like to basically take the deal advisory world and say, it's like when you're buying a house, you have your strategy team and they're the ones who say, hey, Drew, do you think you should buy a house or rent a house? How big of a house do you really need? How much budget do you have? And then they'll try to help you structure and come up with the strategy you should have for maybe you should continue renting or buying and maybe you should buy in Iowa or New York City or whatever it might be. Then you're going to have your investment bank or your M&A advisor, they're like the real estate broker. They're going to put you in touch with all of the people who have houses that they want to sell or lease, depending on which uh, decision you go with. Then you have transaction services. So this is really your due diligence team. This is where I do the core of my work. 
Uh, and this is really your technical financial valuation team. So they're gonna come in and say, hey, Drew, this uh, roof doesn't look like it's been repaired in 15 years. Maybe you should lower the purchase price that you're gonna have for the cost of a new roof that you can expect. Very detailed, digging into the books, the financials, and trying to find if there are any outliers or potentially value drivers that we can find. We have a valuation team. Those are gonna be your market research guys. They're saying, hey, a 2,000 square foot house in Ames, Iowa goes for this much. A 400 square foot apartment in Manhattan goes for this much. So they're really looking at the market and giving you that kind of value-driven view. And, and from that perspective, we help PE firms, as Pauline's case, or corporations buy or sell other companies. For sure. Eric, it sounds like you are right in the middle of this. Do you enjoy it? Do you like it? Tell us what the pluses and minuses are. It's a very exciting job. Everybody loves to be in this fast-paced environment where you get to go in and have this confidential information, just dig into companies' books, really get into their, their operations or financials and, and understand them from the bottom up, usually within the time span of about two weeks. So uh, it's quick. Every day is completely different. So I think for me, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed. I started my career in audit and I moved into the deal advisory world after a few years in audit. So I know I can connect with some of your listeners from that perspective. And for me, it went from audit where Yes, your clients changed, but it was a recurring every year schedule. You'd hit the same clients, you'd do the same kind of work to literally every day seeing potentially new companies, new clients. You never know what's going to be for sale. And that can take the point of being in these great in-person meetings that we have with both the sell side advisors and the buy side advisors, negotiating a sale purchase agreement, or even getting my hands dirty and just doing some analysis on raw data that we pull out of the ERP system. So Really, it can be a lot of fun. It can also be a huge pain. And you can be sitting there spinning your wheels till two in the morning, trying to answer a question and your client asking you for, for the moon and you trying to give them eh, at least a satellite or something. Um, but, <laughs> but in general, I wouldn't still be here if I didn't like it. And I'm very lucky in that in choosing this career path, I've been able to work both in the US and now in Europe and we'll see where it goes from here. It sounds like every day is different as compared to where you started in audit. Definitely. That, that's for sure true. And I think it changes not only day to day, but as you progress in your career as well. So you'll start, you'll come in and you're really the, the data cruncher, but that helps you get insight for financial data, for what is a, a valuation driver. Then you're going to move up to bridging the accounting and financial data into business enterprise value, which is, of course, core in these M&A deals. And then you keep going and then you're the one leading the relationships, and then sometimes getting into the less fun things of working for a big firm, like coming up with a budget, working on the budget, negotiating invoices with clients. But it is different every single day, and you progress and learn new skills as you go along in the firm and with this career. And you learn to make really helpful analogies, like the house thing, which helped <laughs> me understand this whole thing. Eric, I'm definitely not an expert like yourself, but I have been part of a number of transactions and it, it, it seems like having representation on both sides of the transactions really can make all the difference, especially if you're talking large, complex deals, multinational corporations. Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work and how do you get involved as one piece of it sounds like a very complex group of people who are working on making this thing happen? Yeah, definitely, Steve. It is very complex and, well, depending on, as you said, how large the deal can be, you could have tax uh, teams, commercial due diligence, tax teams from all over the globe, environmental teams, depending on the industry that you're in, health, HR, pensions, 
not to mention commercial due diligence, IT due diligence, IP due diligence, just all kinds of crazy teams. In addition to all the ones that I already mentioned, the strategy, the M&A department, valuation team, a data and analytics team. We really play on these really big international deals, a linchpin in the middle. So uh, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, so of course you can have advisors both helping the person who's selling the business and helping the person who's buying uh, the business. We're really just trying to help underline and help our clients really present the business with the value drivers and value considerations in the best way that we can. And so that pulls in a lot of these different aspects, usually always the the tax and financial pieces, because those are key to almost any deal, but can be as wide ranging as we mentioned before. And usually our deliverable is a report. So these reports can be on the buy side as short as a 15 page going to a PE firm that's in this market saying, hey, I just need to know the key things that may impact my valuation and what I can get from the bank to uh, a corporate who really wants to know, hey, how how is this going to synergize with my business? How am I going to be able to bring the European operations when I have no European footprint right now into my business? And what do I pay for that? How do I discount it? How do I fit it into my business plan? These reports can span 800 pages long and multiple months of work. But really, in the middle, what we're trying to do is just essentially help them find the value drivers of the business and present that in the best way possible. So really, both on the buy side and sell side, of course, the negotiation standpoint, you're going to present it as best you can for your client to get the best deal. But we try to be the linchpin in the middle to be the objective advisor, but also help identify and quantify the most value possible for each side. It sounds a bit like marketing in a sense. I think especially when you're on the sell side, you see that a lot. A sell side due diligence report, you get a lot more access to the management team. You're really working hand in hand with them because, yeah, surprise, these people have a day-to-day job. I mean, they're running a business. They have operations, they have financials, they have books to close. They generally don't have time or experience in going through a full M&A process. So we'll come in and try to get extract data from them as much as we can, do our own analysis independently, and then come back to them with questions and say, hey, we noticed from 2017 to 2019, you were able to increase margins in France by 28%. What was that? Was that a strategic initiative? And then we start to get these stories and we try to take all the different pieces of the business and thread it together into these reports that then anyone can get. And it makes my life easier on the buy side as well, because I get the background of the company. I know what their strategy is. I know where they're going. And I can see the financial result that underpins everything that that they've been trying to present. So in that perspective, yeah, the sell side really is building the threat of marketing. On the buy side, you're also still trying to market. Your audience is just different. If it's a PE firm, they're trying to get an investment committee to help them buy off on whatever purchase price they go. Our report is going to the investment committee to help underline what the PE guys have come up with for their business case. Uh, It may go to the banks to help get lending for buying the business or any other number of other advisors. So we really do try to present the best objective view we can of the business. Sometimes uh, you get a lemon and you just got to put that in the report too. So you mentioned these reports can sometimes be in excess of 800 pages long. I'm not sure how uh, good of a marketing piece that would be at 800 pages. Eric, any over under on how many people actually read those things? I mean, I'm just asking for a friend here. Uh, so the, the 800 page one is actually a specific example of a project I did. It was, uh, the most complex project I've done. It was a a European multinational company and they were in about seven different industry spaces. So we had a separate report 
for each one of their divisions, essentially. Uh, so each one of those six-page reports, then another one for tax, another one for legal, and another one for pensions, made up our combined 800-page report. It was very detailed. It was a lot. The business sold, so that was mission accomplished. Successful. But yeah, I think uh, on the buy side, we also helped some of uh, the other advisors firms because they got to bring armies to the table to digest uh, the 800 page documents that we put together. But I would say that's definitely the exception. These normally run a little more concise than that and a little more streamlined. Hello, listeners. This is Nick. I'm going to stop Drew, Steve, and Eric right there to turn this episode into a two-parter to give you a little bit of a break and an opportunity to read that 800-page report. So, merger with your couch, create an acquisition with a soda or other beverage, and we'll be back next week with the conclusion of this stimulating conversation. This has been Off the Books. Please subscribe. Please review us on Apple Podcasts. Please tell your friends to listen up. All that helps, and so does your feedback. So email us at offthebooks, all one word, at workiva.com. Surf's up, and we'll see you next week.